Ladies and gentlemen, we are shoveling. This is the growing season on News Talk. Saga 960 AM, I'm Matt McFarlane, the progeny of Jack and Lynn, but I call them mom and dad. Mom, by the way, a happy belated Mother's Day to you. Yeah, yeah, it was a good day. It was a good day. Dad, how are you doing? Matthew? Beyond exhaustion. No, you're not. You're fine. Uh, oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm Actually, you know what, I wouldn't mind going out for another trail walk. It kind of decompresses me. Yeah. Yeah. And then apparently on a trail walk, it's just a plan ID yes. test. Yeah. Yes. Giant one. Yeah. You just yeah. can't get away from Even it. Even at night. Yes. Yeah. This is not Parks and Rec for the Canadian government. This happens to be the growing season. The Humor in Horticulture show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. And we are continuing with our color series. This week, Steven Spielberg is going to sue our asses because it's called The Color Purple. <laughs> okay. After last week's uh, Mellow Yellow show, in which many of our listeners chimed in, direct messaged me saying thank you for that because it's such a cool idea in that they can go to a special part of the website, growingseasoncanada.com, click on TGS Color Series, and you can get last week's show. You just click on the little link actually on the picture it directs you right over to the show and if you're considering putting something yellow in your flower beds you can just go to the show and listen this week we're going to be touching on purple right and purple's great because purple gets me into one of my favorite horticultural organisms the purple columnar beach love 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 yes you know what matthew i think it's not my favorite by any means oh, all right i still like your little obelisk the obelisk is cool too yeah yeah Okay, so all that and much more. You're going to want to use Showbits. Again, GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Showbits. That is the visual accompaniment to the show because we're going to be mentioning a lot of things hot and heavy here. Annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs, anything in the purple color. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. On the other side, plants that are purple. Hey, hey. B-A-C-K, we're back. The growing season. News talks on 960 AM. The show continues. Click on growingseasoncanada.com and the little menu should be show bits. That is the area of the website that you want to use because, man, these plants are going to be coming at you hot and heavy. Right? Them nurples are going to be purple. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right. By the way, a little bit of a public service announcement because we're having many of our clients calling and asking and, and texting and direct messaging. Need you to listen to this very, very closely, okay? Everybody put their listening ears on right now, okay? This is important. Ready for it? This is not the time to be planting annuals and perennials in your flower beds. I'm going to say it again for those people in the back that weren't listening. Ready? This is not the time to be planting annuals and perennials in your flower beds. Why? They're going to die. Yes. Actually, there was frost here recently. And this is why. Okay. I know we got a lot of information. Dad's eyebrows twitching. He's like, we got to get to some information. Apparently, there's some, for, there's some information that I've never heard before. But just because the grocery stores are selling the annual baskets doesn't mean you should be buying them and putting them out. Yes, Dad? Oh, I see it all. I saw it all weekend, Matthew. You interacted was... with somebody recently on one of these Facebook gardening forums. So, Matt, her name was Deepika. Okay. And she said in the Mississauga area. All right. And she bought a bunch of uh, perennial salvia and she planted Probably them. from a grocery store or Home Depot or something like that. I yeah. would imagine, Matt. Yeah, yeah. And, and the idea was, though, we've had cooler temperatures than normal lately. And she was wondering what was wrong with them. And my response was, I think they're dead. Yeah. And a lot of other people chimed in saying, we'll give them some water and a bit of light and so forth. Yeah. But when you're buying them and putting them in too soon, the things haven't had time to acclimate, to get used to the environment outside. So here is our rule. And as I'm writing this, I actually have to do the mathematical conversion over here. Okay, so let me actually do this. I love this. We call this business on air. I love hearing this on talk radio because it's, it sort of humanizes things. Okay, so 50 degrees Fahrenheit in Celsius. Let me go like this. What's that say? That says 10 degrees Celsius. Okay, here is our rule. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Okay. Horticulturalists that have been collectively my father and I involved in this for 70 years. And the only reason why we have this rule is because replacements is expensive. Majorly expensive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So our rule is we do not plant anything outside unless the nighttime temperatures have been consistently at 10 degrees Celsius for seven days or more. And the reason why we do this is because many people, especially this time of year, Right? Remember, you're in the first week of May. The first week of May is closer to the last week of April than it is to the May long weekend. Yeah. Okay? 
let's say. Let's say that's that's your time frame, all right? So many people are getting so excited right now, right? Just because somebody is selling cocaine on the corner doesn't mean you should buy it. That's right. Right? You know what, man? We also saw things like uh, hanging baskets with geraniums. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Uh, all sorts of, uh, like, petunias, for instance. Now, is it... On the, the grocery stores, the big box stores, the garden centers, is it on them to not be selling this stuff? Maybe. Or maybe they should come under- with a recommendation or yeah, a warning. But I but I also understand. I, I get it. I understand that COVID has been long and many of these businesses have been impacted by this. And they're probably looking at just making a sale. But every year we deal with this. Every year we deal with clients. Like, you know, when are you putting my print nose in? I have, I've had no less than three different texts this past week from clients for our audience I have probably four jobs that have been excavated, backfilled, and rock put in. There's, there's no planting stuff because I'm telling the clients I'm not putting anything in the ground until it's this 10 degrees Celsius over the course of seven days consistently, Mom. And last year's perennials that you've planted, they're fine because they've acclimated. They've had a whole year to acclimate. Dad, our death rate is below 1%. Well, less than 1%, Matthew. Okay, so we know what we're doing. We've been doing this long enough, right? So not to be all ranty, chastisey, scoldy, scoldy, finger-waggy, but do not, under any circumstances, plant right now. This is not the time to do it. As well as the annuals the annuals on the May long weekend, we never do that either. No, we wait another week. At we least. Always the first week of June. Yes. Right? We've also had clients in the past, and I think I've told the story. We've had clients in the past where they have demanded that the annuals go in on the May long weekend. No problem. Sign here. I agree, Matthew. Right. And, and I've had it where we did a job for a large uh, phot- <laughs> photography company out of... Yeah, a large photography company, company whose name rhymes with ODAC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they made, I made them sign a, a little waiver. form yep. saying that uh, we were not responsible if they get killed by frost. And uh, Frost we came went in? And frost came in and killed 90% of the yep. blooms. And that sucks, too, because now you got to rip them out. And start over. And then put it back in. Oh, it was so much fun the first time. Yeah. Going to do it Second twice. time, yeah. It's no, it's a d- double dip. All right. So we're talking about the color purple here today. Again, Steven Spielberg, back the heck off. Okay. I don't have the money to fight you in court. I have a question <laughs> first before mom moves on about a little bit of history for once, Matt. It's yeah. been a long time. It's been a long time. Mom, go. Okay. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before. Oh. Okay, well, oh. I want to ask you a simple question. Scientifically, Matt, is purple a color? Yes, because everything that's st- that Steven Spielberg has done is the truth. So yes, if Steven Spielberg thinks that the color purple is the color purple is a color, then it is. No. When another, Are you saying that Steven Spielberg's a liar? I'm not calling him a liar. <laughs> but what I'm telling you, Matt, is scientifically, purple is not a color. All right. Because there's actually no beam of pure light that looks purple. So what, what is it? It's just that there's no wavelength for this, Matt. So what, we, what, what happens is we try to find a corresponding color that matches up. I'll give you an example here. Okay, the human eye cannot really fixate on the color purple because we just can't pick it up. Okay, so in other words, what color is the sky? Well, it's blue. No. It's purple? It's actually violet. The sky is violet. Ooh, I see. Did you know that, Matthew? What? It has to do with the scattering of the light rays and, and, and the atmosphere and so forth. So the sky is purple. The sky is actually violet. Yes, not But blue. we can't see that. We can't perceive it. Isn't okay, that but the wait, 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 wait a minute. Hold on a second here. So what you're doing is right now is you're pulling the pin on the green on the show on minute 703 in that why are we doing a show on the color purple if we can't even see the stinking color anyway? Because in a way, we, we actually can adapt or adjust okay. to, to find the color. Because I know the difference between a purple hydrangea and a blue hydrangea. Sure. I can see the difference. I don't, I don't deny it. But it all has to do with wavelength, Matthew. And that's what's happening. So the fact is that, yes, we can perceive various colors, and it all comes down to things like hue and tint and so forth. But, Matt, in actuality, just think of this for a minute. Instead of next time you hear that song, Blue Sky Smiling at Me, yeah. it should be Violet Sky Smiling at it Me. It just doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it, it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> no. But I just thought, Matthew, that was one of the coolest things going, that in actuality, purple is just really not a true color. Do you want to hear an interesting thing about color? And again, we can talk about this more in depth on Orange, but a friend of mine, actually, you guys know him, Sean Sean Hayward, wonderful photographer. He went and did a study. He's a photographer, so he's taken pictures of a bunch of different skin pigments, different people, right? All skin color breaks down to one universal color. What is it? Peach. Brown. Orange. 
Oh, orange. Oh, we close, are, right? We are, you, you were, were really you were the closest. Yeah, we are all orange. Oh, really? It's just that when you have brown skin, it's a different amount of orange, or really? different. But everything breaks down to orange. He was talking about sliders and faders and everything on the picture, but he said basically universally we are orange. You're orange. But you know what, Matt? When we, when we're twenty years old. Okay, you're not even 20 years old anymore. No. But when you were 20 years old, your your eyesight was at its peak. Okay, you could see colors of anything that you could possibly think of, you could see well. Okay, okay. except purple wasn't really what you were seeing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But Matt, as you get older, things like blue, green, red so become less and less. Is a even purple? It's probably not. <laughs> Again, how would you know? Matt, just think of everybody. There's a bunch of smoke bushes with identity crisis. Why? Yeah. Matt, we're all colorblind, <laughs> in other blue? words. So yeah. people who you think are colorblind, they don't see certain colors. Why what is, is it? it? What is that? that? Blue or green? Oh, no. Green and red, right? For colorblindness? Okay, but why is it? Isn't this a mostly male thing? Yes. Why? Have they no. said why? No, I don't know anything about it, Matt. Yeah, because I have two friends, male friends, that are both colorblind. Yeah, we had a family friend who was colorblind. I remember also. I had one of them look over, <laughs> sitting in the vehicle with him. He's like, hey, what color is that light? Oh, I'm my. like, okay, this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, Matt? Mom hasn't hit uh, history for a while. Can she touch a little bit on the color purple? Yeah, this is short and sweet. The color purple is associated with royalty. Steven Spielberg. Uh, no, no, royalty and affluence. <laughs> no. And the reason being, for thousands of years, to get the color purple... You had to have a whole bunch of these special little snails, throw them in a lead pot with water, and boil them. What? And that gave you the color purple. purple. So it was a very pricey color to make, to buy Hold purple. on. They're boiling snails yes, for the color purple. Too. And let me yeah. tell you, Matt, it was we're not ending, a bowl of soup that you would ever we're want. We're ending the show right now. I cannot be a part of. This is awful. Like, this, like the same idea goes for our... Um, what was it? The, the silkworm. The, the silkworms. Yeah. Terrible. Boiled as yeah. well. Terrible. Speaking of speaking of little creatures, so uh, just finished up on a site, Miss Miss Melly Colucci of the Brampton Coluchis. Okay, wonderful woman. She has a problem with spring peepers, and the spring peepers come in from a body of water outside of her property, and they crawl up her her little side of the property through the fence, and they get in the pool skimmer. Okay, Dad, she showed me a picture of the pool filter, the pool skimmer. Full to the brim of peepers. Like, I am talking, there might have been a hundred and some odd peepers in this thing. These, these cute little frogs. Packed to the rafters with peepers. And they're so cute and I love their sound. So, Matt, then where did the, what do you think the color today for our textiles and so forth comes from? What does this have to do with spring peepers? Nothing. Okay. But you know what, oh, Matt? I just found it was uh, like entirely on the gruesome side and I didn't want it to, re- to react to make you upset. Okay. Sad. So sad. <laughs> yes. No, we're not boiling. You're terrible, by the we're way. We're not You're boiling jacked. snails in lead pots That's anymore. terrible, man. Okay? No. So in, a, in the 1850s, a scientist who was trying to make quinine? Quinine. Yeah. William yeah. Perkin. No, William Henry Perkin, Matt. Yeah. What is was, quinine? Why do I know this? It's a medicine that's malaria. used against malaria. Gotcha. Okay? Yeah. Well, he was Can we trying, use this against COVID? Can we do something? No. no. I don't think so. Well, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyhow, he was trying to make quinine or, or some form of quinine, and instead he made synthetic purple. But he couldn't call it purple, he called it mauve. Oh. Because up to that point, they tough. were boiling snails. It was called Tyrian, Tyrian uh, purple matter. Okay, so when did his mauve become purple? Did it ever become purple? Well, mauve, I think, mauve is, is, is still purple. mauve is mauve. Mauve is mauve, is purple. It's purple. So ca- mauve came from. A, like a, a botched attempt at, yeah, at the yeah yeah at the cure for malaria yeah and it enabled us to no longer have to boil all these snails in lead pots to make purple okay because so, in, in Rome the senators had a purple stripe or a purple thing on their togas the togas were white and they had purple and actually in Rome it was against the law for a common person to wear purple it was reserved for royalty death penalty man. What? Yeah. Death yes. penalty for Death wearing penalty. purple? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. Okay, we're at 13 minutes here. That's fine. So, no dirt talk today. Let's jump into some plants. Maybe we can push dirt into the next week. Okay. Because we, we talked a whole lot about Rome and all this type of stuff, right? Okay, purple trees. Or are we going to go the reverse? Do you want, do you want to do no, the annuals? No, no, let's, let's do the trees. Okay. Okay, so wait, we, we mentioned... Can we not do Crimson King? No Crimson King. Ugh. But you met, you uh, planted an obelisk at your home, oh, right? Oh, did I ever. Okay, so we did a job up in the... Caledon East area. Uh, were those obelisks or Daleks? They were Daleks. Okay. So let's do Dalek, Matt. 
Okay. So, Fagus Sylvatica Dawick, and, and there's, there's a Latin, Latin alert. alert. Oh, look right. at that. It was a stereo. Yeah, I know. But, man, they basically came out of Scotland, uh, Central and Southern Europe. So, they've been, you know, they, they uh, came from quite a few places around the world in about 1850, okay? Yep. So, these things, Matt, like, unlike the uh, the obelisk, which grows roughly 8 to 10 feet at the base, yeah. a Dawick will grow in the 20-foot range at the base. Yeah. So, you need lots of room to grow. And on top of that, Matt, they'll grow about 60 feet high. Now, they're a beach. They're a beach. You should not pull a lawn chair out and watch this thing grow because you're not going to see anything. No. This is not like your, oh, is it uh, the London plane tree that grows like five feet or three feet every year or something like that? This thing grows it's in reverse. Slow, slow growth. <laughs> but, but Matt, they're, they're, as you know, they're a very expensive tree to buy. Monstrously expensive. And so what is so important about trees and ball size, Matt? <laughs> well, <laughs> boy, this could go in the wrong direction real quick. <laughs> uh, the, the bigger the ball, the thicker the trunk. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mom, get it. <laughs> okay, yeah, save us from the CRTC, please. Okay. Well, if you dig a tree in the spring, you don't need to have a big, as big a soil ball on it Ooh, because <laughs> because you plant the tree in the spring. That gives it a chance to grow roots and establish itself because it's got the whole growing season ahead of it. One other thing. There's not as many leaves and so forth initially in the spring. So it doesn't have to support such a big upper crown. Right. Now, if you dig a tree in the fall, you've got to give it Late summer too. Or late summer. You've got to give it a big soil ball. Yeah. Because when you plant it, it's not going to have time to establish a root system. Yeah. She did that really slick, eh, She did really good, and she really avoided it because the word ball was yeah. in there yeah, a lot, right? And she dropped the word soil in front of it. I know. Just yeah. deflated us completely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. as you know, Matt, trees keep their balls underground. I keep mine <laughs> in my past. <laughs> hey, hey. Mom, why did you sign up for this? <laughs> Holy jeez. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe trees are sexually frustrated. They like the color purple. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Or blue. <laughs> actually, purple is the color of Okay. Okay. That's good. All right. We're we're good. We we have, we've 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 beat those balls to death. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the obelisk and the Dawick, in my opinion, one of the finest finest ornamental trees you can put on your site. As my dad made mention, these things are very expensive. One of the most expensive that you will put on your property. Uh, the the issue being is. You try to convince a customer that they're going to put this thing in their landscape, and we don't generally put one. Most put of them have many, like five. multiples, yeah, <laughs> right. And it's like, so wait a minute. So what you're telling me this is really pricey, and it grows really slow. Yes. So you have to buy them relatively large. You buy them pretty big. But the reason why they're so beautiful is, first of all, they're the purple color on this is only that. Only that tree has this color. Your crimson king doesn't have a color like this. It's only on the beach like this, as well as they don't drop their leaves conventionally like the other, like their other counterparts would. These things, they keep their leaves basically all winter and they push the old leaves off when the new ones are coming on. Sure. And Matt, what we used to do, we did a job again, going back to this one up in the Caledon East area, and we lined a driveway and we put them about 25, 30 feet apart. And it then we beautiful, went, it was way. beautiful. And then we went. Purple, green, purple, green. So you, so you striped it. Sure. And then what happens, though, here's what something that most people would never realize, is come fall, that green variety of Dawick turns kind of this bronze, yellow, orange looking thing. So, and, so now you're having Merlot orange, Merlot orange. With, no, with the purple of the, the, the other purple Dawick. Yeah. Just think about That's that what I'm color. Saying. You yeah. have the Merlot on the one and then the orange yeah. on the other. Okay, yes. Yeah. So it's quite an, an attractive way to do something instead of just having it as a straight purple running down each side of the driveway yeah but the one problem we had up there matt as you remember oh yeah was there we we came in one day and we noticed that there was approximately six of these trees on their sides and we couldn't understand what had happened and then we found out that they had a pond nearby and the uh, sorry not raccoon. <laughs> raccoon whoa those are no, some no. big raccoons no <laughs> big teeth beaver had come along and had actually bit them off at the ground. And just picture this, Matt. This is going back a number of years. These were 80 mil. 80s. 80s. They were, at that time, $1,200. And this thing came along and bit off six of them. 
$7,200 in damage. In just one night. He did it in one night, or she. I'm not sure which one it was. But that was what I'm oh saying, Matt. My. Why so did you, you have put to, them in at 80 mil? Because he wanted Huge. something, again, slow. And he wanted something fairly instant, so 80. He was actually looking for hundreds, Matthew. Hundreds. Oh, my goodness. That's humongous. Yeah, and there was about 25 or 30 oh. going down the sides of the driveway. 80 mil, ladies and gentlemen, is like, what, two and a half, three-inch caliper? Yeah. So when, so, when I, so when I make mention of caliper, by the way, this is a wonderful little reminder. Caliper means it's the measurement of the trunk one foot up from the root flare. And then audiences are going, root flare? What the heck's root flare? The root flare is the part of the trunk that basically begins to form the, the upper level of the root system. So when you see the the root the trunk begin to flare out, begin to become larger, that's called your root flare. Sure, and when you transplant a tree, especially a caliper tree, and we'll stay away from the ball part, yeah. but the wire basket, how about that being more polite? Yeah. Uh, generally, you're only moving about 5 to 7% of the actual root, root system, system with the tree itself. And it's yeah. amazing that they survive so well. And listen, I, I put one in at my place last season, and it's it's coming out big time. Now, it's funny because they're they're slower to come out. Like the maples are already basically out and my beach is still taking her time. We're a tortoise. We're just going to go nice and slow. But they're, wait, they're worth waiting for, Matt. Oh, they're, they're gorgeous. So, okay. Matt, are you familiar with all, at, at all with the Schubert cherry, Prunus Virginiana oh, Schubert? Another beautiful one. Yeah, we use this. So when it comes to ornamental trees, especially in the purple variety, ladies and gentlemen, I, haven't, I have never, ever specified a Crimson King maple on anyone's property. I've never specified one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so Matt, what? Why did we use Crimson King maples quite a bit on people's properties back in the eighties and nineties? And well, don't tell me it's only because they only had Crimson King maples. Okay, back then. so the Crimson King maple is a variety of Norway maple. Norway maple is a junk tree, but part of the reason why we used to use though, I didn't use them. Okay, because I was in the eighties, I would have been like eight or nine. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't doing anything. But part of the reason why I might well. Well, my dad used them was Norway maples are prone to something called uh, black tar spot. Oh, yes. Right. And if you've got a, a purple leaf on your tree, it's a lot tougher to see the black tar spot than if you've got a green leaf. Yes. No. Oh, mom. Why did I use the purple crimson king maples? They looked really good. Planted with a sun, sunburst honey locust. Oh. Whoa. Okay. The yellowy green leaves of the honey locust. And it was contrast, the, Matt. And yeah, what you contrast. do, too, is you get the trifecta. You put the Crimson King Maple, the sunburst honey locust, and then the uh. Austrian frickin' pine. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And we have got garbage trees, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Geez. Just garbage. Okay. So what's so unique about the leaves, Lynn? Of what? The Crimson King On the King Schubert maple. cherry. Oh, Schubert cherry. Oh, Schubert cherry, this little tree likes to play a trick on you. When you first plant it in the spring or when you first, when the leaves first come out in the spring, they come out green and it's like, I bought this because of purple leaves. And then they gradually go purple. Am I right? You're yeah. absolutely right, Lynn. It also flowers. It gets a little white flower yeah, on cute. it. And it gets a nondescript kind of cherry on it. Kind of like a, the same sort of fruit that you would get on a ornamental pear. The little like black. Fruit thing. And the birds love them. The birds go nuts for these things. They're great for small lots because it is an ornamental tree. Yeah. But Matt, they do get problems with uh, black knot canker, for instance. It's a cherry. Sure. It's going to it's gonna get that. Stuff. And they do get a lot of suckering, I have to say. And that's another issue that we have problems with. Look, here's the idea when it comes to planting anything in the prunus. Okay. So prunus is the family that cherries belong to, plums belong to, peaches belong to, all kinds of stuff belong to. You're getting into a series of a series of diseases and stuff that go along with this tree or this family, all right? The best thing that you can do for any of these things is if it tells you that this tree prefers to be grown in well-drained soil in full sun, plant it in that environment because otherwise the instant the first level of the first little hint of stress pops up, they're getting canker. They're getting all kinds of stuff. They're, they're, these are a finicky tree. Yes. And again, no standing water. They yeah, take well any, any pH, okay? Yeah. And they tolerate most urban pollution. But so they're, they're worth the... But they're they worth want the, full sun. Sure. And they, they, they're worth using, Matthew. I agree. They're absolutely worth using. It's, but it's the same thing as when you're planting a, a Colorado blue spruce. Don't sure. be afraid to plant it. It's got to have the right location. And you have to have the right conditions to make this thing survive well. Yes. Sure. Okay, we have one minute before we jump. Okay, Mom, hit royalty crab for a minute, could you? Oh, that's a pretty tree. It has dark purple foliage, 
And um, I think the flowers, are they kind of a red yes. on the royalty crab? That's the only thing I don't really like about it, Matt. The flowers are too much like the, the leaf themselves. It's very tone-on-tone. Tone. Yeah. I, I actually like them. I like tone-on-tone. Tone. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah. It grows to be a uh, 20-foot height. It spreads to 20 feet. It's a crab apple, though. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. It has a real problem with water sprouts, with suckering. Um, and they're, they're messy, suckering. messy, yeah. messy, messy trees. Yeah, when but, those apples drop on oh, your patio, just they messy, mess. messy. And again, yeah. Matt, zone four through eight, it's excellent. And yes, they also are great for the pollinators, okay? Oh, yeah. so I mean, Matt, we would use them on any style of garden, basically, uh, for formal, informal, and anything, most styles, okay? Yep. But the idea is, Matt... After they get older, they require a lot of pruning. So that's something that you should keep in mind. On the other side, hang on to your hats because we're going to pack so much information into a 24-minute span that it's going to be illegal. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. Color this week, ladies, is purple. Like your faces are going to be with all the information coming at you. And this is the growing season on News Talk. Saga 960 AM. Stop, Dad. Stop it. season continues on News Talk. Suck at 960 AM. Follow along with us. GrowingSeasonCanada.com Click on Show Bits. Or you could click on TGS Color Series which was the first part. Our, our show on yellow. Mellow Yellow is in is on that part of the website. It's in the queue. As well as we're going to be doing a lot more of this Color Series stuff in the hopes of building a wonderful library for you to go to when you want to say pick something yellow. Or red or pink. Could we also do something like spotted and striped? I think so too, absolutely. I think it would be you fantastic. Could, you could get into like mixed colors or whatever, okay? Sure. All right, so we, we left off with chatting about all the tree stuff, but we didn't touch on some of the evergreen stuff. And the one that we should definitely touch on, not for the reason that you'd think, is this thing called the Korean fir, Abies coriana. I mean, anything fir, count me in. Take that how you will. Um, <laughs> this is an evergreen tree. It's out of South Korea. That's why it's called a Korean fir. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, if it was that out of Madagascar, why would they right? call it yeah. green fur? Right? Silvery white needles underneath, typical green needle over top. Also has the first smell. Absolutely beautiful smell. But purple cones. In the spring. In the spring, this thing's cones are purple. Same as me. <laughs> <laughs> My dad served in the Korean War, no, okay. <laughs> along with the first. Okay, um, now I'm completely my mind's uh, gone. But this is wonderful because you have we have clients that will say to us, "What's what's wrong with my fir tree? Why is it why is it doing this?" Nothing. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is, there's the mind of a seven year old boy in a sixty seven year old man's body. Or okay, I've, I've got I've okay. got my you, demeanor back. It's you're back. good. You're good. Are you collected? <laughs> Are you collected? Okay, Korean fur. Korean fur. Okay, <laughs> or not? Okay, yeah. mom. Yeah, over. jump in. <laughs> that's yeah, good. No, 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 no. That's good. That's good. I love it. It's fantastic. Okay. Mom, you tag you're in. He can't. He can't handle himself. Go. Okay, <laughs> it's uh, it can grow to be thirty feet high. It's got a 15-foot width, yeah. but you can get a smaller one, 15 feet height by 5-foot width, so it'd be good for small lots. Yeah. It has a pyramid shape. It likes full sun, part shade. It likes rich. Wait a minute. Why? Why? Why full sun, part shade? Well, the full sun would uh, keep the needles green. I don't know. I think it's more to do with temperature, don't you think? Okay. It likes the heat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, it likes rich, moist, well But it's native soil. to Korea. I, is, yeah. It, and Korea... Well, it, it, it can get cold in Korea. It can, well, they have winter. They get winter yeah. in Korea. But oh, if you look yeah. at the, no, we look at the zones. Five through eight, Matt. Yeah, That's just why. like us. It's us. Yeah, yes. it's us. Well, we wouldn't be considered so, to be warm. No, no. But it's again, I think it's more to do with temperature. Too hot, it won't won't uh, tolerate it at all, Matt. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting that's little my tree. opinion anyway. But well, being a fur, it would have soft needles too, not prickly ones. They're great. They're great. And, and again, maybe it's, is it the same as the Colorado Blue Spruce where it wants the sunlight to give the tint, the blue tint? I would imagine the answer is 100% yes, Matthew. And, and listen, I got to tell you, man, like around a pool, 
if you can find, even if you get the little dwarf guys, what are the dwarf ones? Like the little nanas first. They're beautiful around around a pool situation. Because Melly's again, got one there, right? Melly, yeah. Melly yeah. Colucci, one of our clients. And it, you're getting that first smell around your pool. Like people, when everybody says smell when it comes to plants, right? You automatically, seven things pop up, right? Roses, lavender, uh, some sort of a lemon balm, right? Thyme, right? But nobody really ever associates fur. And yet fur is very, very... Yeah, it's a nice like, smell. Nice smell. But man, in the past, we've talked about... Um, Mother load, we've talked about icy blue and so forth, right? Yeah. But Matt, in <laughs> the past, we didn't have times. those varieties. We had a lot of the horizontalist stuff going on. We had Prince of Wales and so forth. Yeah. But Matt, back then, we also, when I was first starting out, we had something called Andorra juniper, Juniperus horizontalis plumosa compacta. Oh. What do you think about that one? I think it's a lot of names, a lot of words. It's a long, a long name, yeah. yeah. But Matt, what is interesting, the, the foliage comes out green in the spring yeah. with the new growth. But as the season progresses, it turns purple. It turns purple. I mean, really purple. I've never specified an, an Andorra before. Why? I don't know. You used to because there's too lot. many varieties that you can use. Well, them. and so, but isn't okay to me? I always associated the Andorra with like the concrete mediums, medians at shopping malls. Am I wrong here? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like in in like the you know how you guys used to plant like 700 Fitzer junipers in a freaking in a concrete median. You know what you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Was Andorra ever used in that situation? Not so much. Okay. I always found, Matt, that it was Man, great. you guys did a lot of ugly landscaping back in the 80s. <laughs> you know what, Matthew? I don't agree with that. I, I did some very fine work. But you did? Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Matt, you know what? We would use it around and under trees and so forth, okay? But the main problem with it was the center portion would die outwards. And yeah. we used to, you know, a lot of problems with, with spider mite and that kind of idea. Yeah. But it also had a lot of other problems going on. Lynn? It gets juniper blight, bagworm, spider mite. <laughs> Get it's sorry. Dearly- Hold on a second. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry. What well, juniper mite was great. I, I understand. <laughs> What's the second thing that it gets? Bagworm. <laughs> okay. Can you explain? Nope. I have no idea. I, okay. I would have to look it up. It, I don't know where on the li- on the list of things that I do not want. Bagworm tops it. Yeah, I agree. Matt. I don't know where this poor juniper is getting bagworm because it's a plant, but <laughs> poor thing. Yeah, and it's deer resistant though. Oh yeah, because the deer doesn't want to bite into something that has bagworm. <laughs> oh, no. But you know what, Matt? It did need a lot of fertilizer. It was like the we did the uh, what was it? Threadleaf cypress last week. Yes, right? and it, it needs a lot of. Sure, the Pissifera foliferoria nana. Yeah. But yeah, it needed a lot of, of fertilizer throughout the summer. And yeah. the same thing goes for this. And if you don't do it, then you're going to get a lot of dieback. You won't get nearly as much growth and so forth. But Matt, it all came down to it. There wasn't as many varieties. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I and think you know, that's listen, part I, of it. I, listen, I knock you guys, right? Because you guys use a lot of purple leaf sand cherries, which suck. And uh, I didn't do that. And, no, you didn't use it? No. No. Actually, they, maybe that's a good thing to talk about right now. Purple leaf sand cherry. Oh, it's just that we haven't we beat that. That uh, well, no, it's a very very simple thing. Watch this, right? Don't plant purple leaf sand chart. There you go. Okay, we're done, right? It's good. Uh, what's the Latin for that one? Uh, oh, prunus cystina. Whoa! Yes, give that woman a cookie. Nice. Yes, <clears throat> yes. They they're great when they're young. They get really awful when they're older. They get really really woody, which means they get a lot of like stick at the bottom and then the leaves at top. And they do not transplant well. No. At all. So, man, if you had a choice between purple elder, yep. dwarf purple-leafed wygelia, yeah. or purple smokebush, which one would you choose? And please discuss. Oh, my goodness. All of those are great. Okay, let's go from let's go from the big one. Okay, so cottonus cogigria. Yep. The purple smokebush. Great shrub. We don't use it much, only because we tend to encounter a lot of smaller properties. And these suckers tend to become monster trucks. Ten by ten. They're big. This yeah. is a, this is a big shrub. This is that that area between shrub and tree. We're not quite. It, Rosa Sharon falls into this. What is it? Is it a tree? Is it a shrub? Okay, but uh, it's it's got the most unique leaf. The leaves are basically circles. Like it's a it's a full on circle looking leaf, and they're attached very very weird. The stems are long on the leaf, so you get this long stem and then this. Weird looking circle leaf on the end, but the big draw here. Well, there's two. the 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 leaves are like a merlot purple, not a grape, not like a, not a. Well, no, actually, they would be closer to like a Concord grape looking thing than they would be, let's say, like a violet. Okay, but the big thing here is the big puffs. The big puffs of 
what is this? It's like milkweed it's their, almost. It's their flower. It's their flower, yeah. But yeah. it looks like clouds. It's so pretty. It's a it really blooms. cool, nothing looks like this. This is the only one. But you know what, Matthew? It has an amazing fall color. It goes bright red in the fall. Yeah. And Melly's, speaking of, man, this is just the Melly show. Remember she showed us one of her leaves where yes. it was, it almost looked like coleus. Yeah, it it looked, had a coleus look to it. It looked like the uh, the Vegas tricolor. Oh, the tricolor beach, yeah. yeah. And it yeah, can yeah. live for 40 years. They can? Yeah. Yeah. They're a long-living really? one. So they get really big and they live a long time. Yeah. But they also require a lot of pruning. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one where, where you can coppice it, ladies and gentlemen. What that means is when it gets a little woody at the bottom, just take your chainsaw through it about, what, a foot, 18 inches off the ground, hack it. Sure. And it'll come right back up from the bottom. But you know, man, any soil type, okay, it doesn't care. It takes it takes on urban pollution like a champ. Yep. And Matt, normally what we would do is we would plant it in a sheltered area just to make sure that it does well. Yeah, and this is one. Dad, will it take partial shade? Yes. Okay. So this. But is again, great. what's the rule of thumb on that? If you want a lot of color, you have to have more sun. More sun. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, I agree. But you're going to want to have an area for this. This is not something that you're going to want. This is it, and. You know how sometimes they say, oh, this will grow this big by this big. Like they say a uh, potentilla will grow 42 inches. I have never seen a potentilla 42 inches across. No, never. Never. 36, maybe yeah. at the max. But, yeah. So this thing this thing will grow. I've never seen a 10-foot smoke bush, but I've seen a 7-foot smoke bush. Sure. For sure. But Matt, on the purple leaf wygelia, the, the dwarf variety, They're so the wygelia florida purpurea nana. Yeah. So anyways, uh, can you give us a little bit of uh, discussion on what that baby looks like? Wonderful, wonderful ornamental shrub. The nice part about wygelias is these things are virtually problem free. I would, honestly, when is the last time that we've come in and there's been a, a real issue? Okay. Powdery mildew. I have seen powdery mildew on these things if they're planted in the wrong location. They they will take partial shade, but as my dad said, if it flowers profusely or has a very uniquely colored leaf, it generally wants full sun. Okay? The nice part about the Wajelia is, of all types, is if you prune this thing directly after its first bloom blast, it'll give you another one. It'll give you like a lighter, a lighter bloom. Now, what you got to do with it, though, is you got to make sure that you're only trimming off just the layer that it's bloomed on. If you get too deep, then what you're doing is you're pruning off the next session of... And it's called negative zone in, in the yeah. plant. Yeah. yeah. You can also coppice this one, too. You can take these things down a little bit. Uh, it's a bit Pacific as far as pH, 5.5 to 7.5. Pacific? Did I say specific or... <laughs> like the Pacific. Pacific, like they say in the Atlantic? Specific. Yeah. Nice. 5.5 yes. to 7.5. So it's a little... Know. Really? Yeah. And again, as it gets older, it's going to, like you said, it's going to need coppicing. Yeah. You have to yeah, chop it It gets it woody as it gets older. It does. Older. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice part with this is these are these fall into, in, into the very same category as um, your nine barks. If you're not flowering for bloom, but just... Or sorry, if you're not flowering... Pff, if you're not pruning for bloom, but just pruning for structure, it'll take any kind of pruning you want, right? Like if if you're just pruning it for shape or structure, go at it. Sure. They're fine. Yeah. Go at it. So mom, if we went to say some of the perennials for a moment and we went to purple fountain grass, what could you talk about that about? What could you say on that? Well, it's an ornamental grass with arching spikes. It has burgundy red flowers. Now, I don't think they're, they're really flowers. flowers. They're more like the grains. Because it's a grass. It's a pole. It get those, like, the seed head things Yeah, the on, seed right? head yeah, yeah. things, yeah. I wouldn't call it a bloom, would you, Matthew? No. The, can we... What's the zone on this thing? Oh, that's the thing with this. Nine to ten. Yeah, nine to th- ten. Okay. It's not hardy for here okay, at all. Look, th- this is the issue with why we don't really use a lot of grasses. Now, we use blue festuca. And admittedly... We use phalaris. We, we, we use phalaris, right? So they're ribbon grasses. Right. I like the, there's the... Um, we use mill, The dwarf more. Mexican hair grass. I, yeah. I, I like that one. Yeah, the, more and and There's uh, haycon in there as well. Anyway, okay. So, but the only... so And we, we have had blue festuca die, even though there's own hardy. It all depends on the winter. It all depends on the exposure. But the problem is, many of our clients are getting away from annuals. And a grass that is growing in zone 9A or is winter hardy for zone 9A is an annual in our mind. So how do we get around it? We just treat it as an annual. So how do we get around it? We We bury it. We We bury it. I have never buried I have buried lots of them over the years. And I do want math. It's a pain. Okay. It's like burying your tree rows. Yeah. It's the same as dahlias. Listen, I don't specify dahlias on my plants. Okay. Just simply because of of, of the convenience. But for our audience... 
If you're getting a design done by the growing season, growingseasoncanada.com, click on contact or TGS Tiny Gardens. Contact allows you to, wait for it, contact me. Okay, but TGS Tiny Gardens is our page where it's devoted to the landscape designs that we've done. Many of these jobs are, are in the middle of construction, and we're going to update it with construction photos when they're done. And there's also a small podcast up top that we're going to actually redo soon, just outlining our modus operandi when it comes to subdivision landscape design. Now, for those that have large country properties that seem to be now what we're getting, we're getting a whole, a whole lot of these, they are listening to this podcast as well, just to get our input and our the, the rules that we tend to follow when it comes to design. Okay? Sure. So what happens here with, with the success of the growing season is now I'm not the only designer here. My dad has jumped in and we're basically splitting the designs down the middle. So, so sometimes what will happen is you will get a design by Jack McFarland. And actually, I've had a number of clients this year specifically ask for Yoda. Yes. When his, <laughs> when his schedule, when he's not levitating rocks or pulling, or pulling X-wings out of swamps. Okay. So or you'll get me. Now, we design very, very similar, but there's, there are differences. One of the things that you will get with the Jack McFarland design is you will get Dahlia. He will plant Dahlia. He will, he will specify Why? Dahlia because you adore them. No. What else? Because you love them. No, what else? Because you go out and talk softly to your Dahlia. No. <laughs> no, they fill in the gaps until the perennials take over. They do. Perfect. Yes. Wow. Okay, Matt. So you put this, you sent this one to me. Hocus Pocus Veronica. Oh, I love this one. So what's so great about it? Hocus Pocus Veronica is, it's a medium-sized Veronica. Dad, what are they saying? 18 inches height, 20 inch height? Yep. Okay. And the spread about, is about 18 inches. Sure. Okay. We generally specify most perennials not of a hosta type. Generally, well, sorry, medium-sized perennial is usually about one foot is, is, kind, of, is kind of what we specify. So, Matt, right. we usually would, would use this on uh, spike gardens. Yeah, spike gardens. The, these are nice. Here's, here's where I use these. In place of grasses, I would much rather use something like a Veronica. It gives you the grass look. It has the spikiness of the yeah. grass. But you're also getting this, like, bottle rocket freaking purple on the end of it. And also, Matt, it blooms from June to it August. blooms for eight weeks. And it takes dividing really well. Yeah. They're really, really great. If you go and look on any of the Veronicas now, and we've made mention over time of the amount of work that these hybridizers are doing to make these varieties that are all brand new, go and look at the Veronica section of any large nursery, and it is endless. Endless. I know, man. Every time I look at it, I, I kind of roll my eyes because I just can't believe how far they've come. They have a pink Veronica. Is that right? There's a pink one. Wow. But Matt, what I think is interesting about Veronica is you've got to be careful with the water needs. It yeah. likes a well-drained soil. Yeah. And otherwise it will get what? Root rot. Root rot. Yeah. And nobody wants to get root rot. No. <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. Nobody wants their tips to go black. No. to encounter bagworm. Yeah. Oh, oh bag my goodness. Worm. But Matt, you know what? It tolerates rabbits, deer. And I think that for the most part, Matt, we pick, because we love our spike gardens, we yeah. use it quite readily. But Matt, what is this new one? You, you sent it to me, Maestro Sedum. Okay, love it. And again, one of the things that I do, or actually one of, the, one of the little rules that I set up for myself, and it's now sort of gone to my dad as well, is when we got back into landscape design and install in a big way, I wanted to take whatever we did in the past and toss it. So... I don't think we have, Matthew. No, I don't think we have either. That was, that was, the, that was the original intention. I think we've taken what we liked from the past and we've brought it forward. But we're also augmenting with things that we have not used before. And so I will routinely, once a week, and it's usually on a Sunday morning with my coffee, I will sit down for an hour and just begin scrolling through. Usually it's Conan, Conan.ca. There's your plug, Conan. And I'll just begin to scroll through their, their, their website. So I'll pick a perennial. I'll just type in salvia and bang, salvia comes up. Or I'll pick uh, Veronica or I'll pick, in this case, I typed in sedum. And there's this thing called maestro sedum. Now, maestro sedum is, it's a fall sedum. So it's, so it's a member of the sedum family, sedum, sedum spectiva. And Wait it's, a minute. It's a succulent or a cacti, Matt? It's, it's a succulent. Why? Because it's got the, it's got the like squishy, Succulent leaves on it, yes? No, it's just it's because it can store water so readily in times of drought. So oh, okay. that's why so it's, it's succulent. Also zerophytic then. It varies it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, what's so important about it? Why is it this is a biggie, Matt? So Matt, most of the time you cannot 
split something when it's in bloom, right? Right. But Jesus, uh, sedum spectabile, can actually be split while it's blooming. Full tilt boogie, you can you can. Split. Oh yeah, that sucker, man. I mean, look, mom, uh, didn't I run over one this past summer? What happened? We had one gorgeous false sedum. But it wasn't a maestro. It was just an no, autumn just, joy. Yeah. No, yeah. it was a Diablo. Oh, it was a Diablo. Anyhow, hmm. we split it and scattered it through our new beds. And then when we were putting in our new uh, Unilock walkway, somebody dropped a rock on it. Somebody? No, no, that wasn't somebody. No, it, was, it was Yoda, Yoda. I think. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Oops. I thought, okay, Oops. <laughs> the, the mama, the mama sedum is gone, but we've got her babies. This spring, I go out and look. Mama's growing up. She's worked her way out from under the Unbelievable. rock. Unbelievable. Yeah. But again, Matthew, just think about it. When it's blooming... You can actually go and split it. Most of the time, it's all the energy goes into actually producing the bloom. But the maestro is really interesting because it's got like a Merlot-colored stem and leaves. And then the bloom on it is a slightly different color of purpley-pinky Merlot. And pollinators love it, the bees especially. Yes, fantastic. It's, it's very tone-on-tone. Tone, but yet, when you see it in the sunlight, it's not so... The flower and the stem and leaves are not so close. It, it's... It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And there's so many varieties now oh, that you yeah, can do anything you want. It's great. But Matt, in the past, we w- we planted way more uh, annuals than we do today. Yeah. You would agree with that? We have, okay, so Danbrook site, Lasha's site. A few at Melly's. A few at Melly's. So that's three customers. Uh, Denise Bossy might get a couple here and there. Okay, so we might have four sites. With where, almost nothing, of course. With Well, I mean, oh, Danbrook's how many flats? Um, uh, twenty-five flats, thirty. Okay, flats. so lashes will be fifteen to twenty flats. So you just, so just, maybe, just some flats, maybe a hundred flats or so this year. But what would you have done in the eighties? We would have done probably five thousand flats. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that would be including Kodak. Kodak, or, yeah, Kodak yeah. was probably 5, in the neighborhood. Five thousand flats. Yeah, Kodak. Would, Kodak would have over a thousand flats. Would you themselves. have these delivered? Oh yeah, sure. Truckloads and come two in. straight weeks. Well, not the weekends, and, but Monday through Friday for two weeks. Yeah. Of annual planting. Of annual planting. Yeah. But Matt, one I did not plant very often. It's just not one of my favorite plants because it requires a bucket load of deadheading. Is what, Lenny? Oh, petunias. Ugh. Yeah. Why? No. What's wrong with them? Well, yeah, well they're they, pretty. They're, they're really pretty. They're pretty and they've got quite the scent, but they do require a lot of deadheading. If you don't deadhead a petunia, you don't get any more blooms. No. And what happens is as the season goes on, so as you get into the later part of the summer, they get very, like... Stringy. They get stringy. And these ones, when you hear somebody say, oh, they blow themselves out. They do blow themselves out. This is the out. one. And all that means is they just basically bloom themselves out until you got no, no blooms on there and just green. Mind you, they've got some really pretty ones out now, like ones that are double-petaled and fluffy. Completely. And all different completely. colors. But I found always, too, that these things in full sun, like if you let the water get anywhere too dry on these things they look gross and when you are deadheading them they make your hands sticky yeah so they must have a lot of nectar in them or something yeah they're this is your well that's they're they're great for hummingbirds matt so that's why they're using them yeah. mainly. well they have the trumpet shaped yeah. And, yeah and a big one is this they're also a member of what family matthew okay. uh i would never have known this i don't know what's up mom nightshade believe it or not Really? This is a yes. belladonna relative? Yes. Yeah. Same idea as your tomato, potato, eggplant. Uh, eggplant. You know what, though? Now thinking about it, when you deadhead a petunia and when you pull out nightshade, the smell is very similar. Go and do that. Absolutely. There's the same, there's the same musty? Se- musty smell. Yeah. But here's a big one as well. Make sure it's in full sun, no shade, no part shade, in full sun, because these things, even though they, you do not want them to dry out between waterings, yeah. make sure they get a lot of sun because they have a lot of bloom. Okay, that's a big one. Yeah. And the blooms are trumpet-shaped and so forth. We would put them in hanging baskets. We would also put them on window boxes, you know, uh, pots and containers. Okay, yeah. Matt? They were fantastic. Yeah. That's, but, for me, that's the only application to use these. Sure. But, Matt, we also would use something called Osteosperum. Okay? Yes. What's the name of, what's the common name of that? Spoonflower. That's the one. Yeah, spoonflower. Weird little, uh, the leaves on the end of it, or the, or the petals. They're spoon-shaped. It's spoon-shaped. Yeah. Sure. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it was something that we would mix and match throughout the bed. It was, again, full sun, and you could come in multiple colors and a lot of purple. So it was a pretty little thing, Matt. It'd be but, a member of the daisy family, Jack? Yeah. yeah. Really? It's a cousin to the daisy. Wonderful. Okay, one more before we jump. Jack Manny Clematis, please. Sure. So when Beautiful. you're buying 
Maddie, when you buy in Clematis, you must re- realize which group do they belong to, group one, group two, or group three. So group one plants in, in, the, in the Clematis mat are blooming on the old wood. Okay, and that's from the previous year, and then when you prune after flowering, yep. group two flowers are on the old and new wood, and require a little bit, very little pruning. Yep. And so the idea is don't prune them too much because it will reduce the amount of bloom that you're going to get. And again, group three are the ones that are blooming on new wood. And the reason why I'm talking about this one is because that's Jackmanny clematis. Okay, so Jackmanny clematis bloom on new wood, which means you should probably prune them in March. Either Just the fall before, yeah, or all, early, and you can really cut them back, okay? Or early spring. Sure. And the idea is, Matt, with the Jackmanny clematis, clematis Jackmanny, it's a deciduous perennial vine. That's a mouthful, right? Yeah. And I, I like them because of the deep purple bloom on them. Yeah. And sometimes they'll have violet flowers and so forth. But Matt, they're good on fences, trellises, rock walls, anything you could possibly think of. Full sun again because of the bloom. But they will take a little bit of shade. And I actually prefer if they got a little bit of dappled as yeah, well. And the roots have to be cool, like all clematis. So put something with them at the root base, whether you, it be a smaller perennial, a rock, or something. Yeah, you planted rubachia at the bottom. At, yeah, uh, on screen. the base. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great place to press pause. All right, another one in the books. Next week, are we, are we on to the color series, guys, again? Or red. Do red. All right. Whoa, 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 hardcore. And at least this time, I know for a fact we can see red. I would imagine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 We spent, uh, we're going to spend 53 minutes talking about a color that we can't even see. No, yeah. right? Yeah. Awesome. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on whatever the heck you want to click on. If you want to contact us, there's a button for that. If, if you want to click on Showbits, which is the visual accompaniment to the show, click on that. And this week's show will be podcasted directly after this show airs, as well as for anything consults, horticultural related, as well as landscape installs, which I'm basically booked. You can click on TGS Tiny Gardens. It lets you know how we operate. Mom and Dad, thank you so, so much for doing all the wonderful research on this. What did you guys learn this week? Anything interesting? Yeah, I learned that we can't really see. (laughs) (laughs) Purple. This show is useless. (laughs) Actually, every week I learn something new. And I I basically feel like I have a very good knowledge of plants now. Nothing like you guys. But you know what? I, I find myself using this information on sites with, with, with clients all the time. I just I find sh- it makes you open your eyes a little more, Matt. I agree. I shocked a friend when we were out walking. I told her there were girl trees and boy trees. That's the truth. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Right. Hello, tree. You're very pretty. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, typical way that we end the show. A ship carrying red paint collided with another one carrying purple paint. Both crews, guys, are said to be marooned. <laughs> Mom? Till next time. Have a good one, and please be safe. Jack out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.